Uh, okay, so this morning we are talking about, does anybody know? No, <laughs> we talked about that for five weeks. <laughs> no, 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 we've moved on. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer this morning. And um, so I, I, want to, I want to ask you, what is prayer? What is prayer? Somebody help me out with what is prayer. Okay, Christian prayer. Communication with God. That's what we have it. Anybody else? What is prayer? A means to commune with the God. Not just merely communicating, but communing. Okay. What does communing mean? To be with. To dwell with. Okay, be with Lola. Okay. Anybody else? Prayer? It is a form of worship, 100%. It's a giving of oneself right, to another, right? Putting them in the power of another. I like all of these. Um, and so before we get to like what is prayer and go through all of the stuff, I want you to hear Psalm 40. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read uh, first eight verses. So if you want to follow along with me. In Psalm 40, we'll read that and then I'll pray, then we will talk about prayer. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go stray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Let's pray. O Father in heaven, O Lord, make yourself known this morning through your word your people, incline our hearts to your will, Lord, for your will is perfect. Open our, our minds so that we might fear your name, unite our hearts to your Son and your word, satisfy us this morning with all of the words of life. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So prayer. We've had kind of we initial dis- discussion of what definitions of prayer. I, I think one helpful way to define or understand or find a definition of prayer is to look at catechisms. Because in every catechism that I can think of, uh, every catechism talks about prayer. 
So when a catechism was designed to teach, so with a question and an answer, you know, what color is the sky? It is blue, that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, this, this uh, particular catechism that we're going to talk about is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. No, we're not Presbyterians, but the Presbyterians got it right here. Um, what is prayer? It says in question 98. The answer is, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with the confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Prayer is an act as well as an attitude, an attitude of dependency upon God. So, um, prayer is something we do, we communicate with, but it's an act of also communing in a worshipful way with our creator, the one whom we are dependent upon. Right? It's actually a pure acknowledgement of, I can't do this without you, Lord. And not just, not just like, I can't climb this mountain without you, Lord, but I can't even breathe without you, Lord. Because he is the one who makes us breathe by the very word of his power. Right? Prayer is um, something that is, uh, I think, often neglected in the church. I think it's often neglected in most people. In fact, I was reading a, uh, a Pew Research uh, article about uh, people's religious habits uh, and what they did with and what they do. And one of the big one of the big things that you notice in doing this is uh, there are about thirty eight percent of Christians, evangelical Christians in our area. Of those thirty eight percent, only sixty six percent feel that it is necessary to attend worship on a week, during the week. Only of those 66%, 22% actually believe that reading their Bible, prayer, meditation, being with the Lord is vital to their life. So notice, I went from 100% of the community of faith, it's only 38% evangelical. Of that 38%, only 66% of that actually attends worship regularly is the words they used and they didn't put a number on it. And of that regular, those regular attenders, 22%, notice how small this is getting, actually see it. Prayer, reading their Bibles, doing these things it are important to their lives, are vital to their lives. Let me just, I'm just going to say it. Prayer is your life. You feed on this, on the Word of God, and you ask him to make it true in your hearts by communing with him, not just by reading his word, but by the act of dependency that is prayer. Does that make sense? It's actually showing that you are dependent on somebody else other than yourself. Your mind is not big enough, nor are your muscles or your hands strong enough to get yourself through this life um, in a way that would be spiritually edifying at any level. You need God. You need the Spirit, and prayer is how we commune with the Spirit. Any questions? So let me ask you this. Who's going to be the brave one and say how much they actually pray today? Not much? How much? How much do you pray? How often do you pray? At least twice. I'll be brave and say at least twice. And I'm going to, I'm going to assume that that has to do with meals. No, okay. One, one is a meal. One is a meal, okay. So, 
That is probably the most common, right? We commonly would pray around the dinner table if you eat family dinner. But it is uh, hard to actually, like, to admit to ourselves how much we actually don't pray, right? We think about a lot of things, but we don't pray often. What does the Bible say about prayer? Pray about ceasing. What does that mean? Having an attitude of prayer. An attitude of dependency, in a lot of ways, right? Of Jesus, on, on Christ, on the Spirit. Right? Well, I, I want to make this first point, and this first point is, prayer is expected. Okay? Prayer is expected. Somebody want to um, turn to Matthew 6, 5. Matthew 6, 5. I mean, right. Matthew 6, 5. 5 to 8. In what has come to be called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus outlines how to pray the Lord's Prayer. How to pray in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, 5-8, we see this Lord's Prayer. Jesus has an expectation for those who would be his disciples and how they would pray. Okay? He sets up an expectation and he puts forth how to pray. So who wants to be the brave soul to read Matthew 6, 5-8 for me? Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless Repetition, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Amen. Colossians 4.2 also says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. There's a purpose for both of these prayers, both of these instructions of prayer, right? Colossians 4.2 comes after... Paul has urged us to live in a manner consistent with our union with Christ. He's making the point that in, in chapter 3, he says, put off, you know, all these, all the worldly things, the fleshly things. And then he says, put on the, the godly things. He says, dwell in Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do all things for the glory of God. And then he gets to chapter 4 and he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. As if. This is how you do those things. Right? You not only take in the word of God, but you continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Because we have been raised with Christ, we are to seek the things that are above while warring against what is earthly and simple. And the way to do that is through prayer. So, uh, somebody wants to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 for me and read that nice and loud. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. You got it? Yeah, go ahead. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I think when we read this, normally we see like, rejoice always. 
and we stop. Right? We say pray without ceasing and we stop. We say give thanks in all circumstances and we stop. Right? As if these are three separate things. But in a lot of ways, they are compounding, they're building upon a certain thought. Paul exhorts us to be joyful, to pray continually. And to give thanks in all circumstances. And we should do these things because this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. Some people say, and I'm sure you've had this question, what is God's will for my life? One way for that is to say to know Christ and make him known. Right? Another secondary way or the how to do that, to know Christ and make him known, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. How do I know what is the will of God for my life? Rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. And I know that's not the answer that people want, right? When when you ask that question, what's God's will for my life? You're constantly thinking, am I supposed to take this next job? What school am I supposed to go to? Um, Is this person I'm supposed to be dating? Is this what I'm supposed to be going and doing? Um, Is this how I should discipline my child? Is this how I should love my wife? And Again, what is God's will for your life? You could also say walk faithfully and humbly. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. What I want to uh, head off from the very beginning of talking about prayer is does prayer have effects in your life? What kind of effects does it have upon your life? I think think it's important to start off by, in some ways, defining it negatively, what it's not. It is not the pushing of a button on a vending machine that gets you what you want. It's not a Pez dispenser, right? It's not a pop the top and get my piece of Pez and walk on with my sugar, right? It's not that. It's not push a button, get my Coke, right? That, that is not what prayer is. Prayer is not a vending machine. But what is prayer? What effect does prayer have on your lives? If it's so expected, what is it supposed to do? What is it expected to do to your life? Paul said in Colossians that for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask you, yeah, not to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to yes. please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Yes. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that he obtained of steadfast, steadfastness and patience and joy. That's Colossians. Um, where'd one, you start? 1, 9 through 11. 1, 9 through 11. So, yeah, there it is. So, what is prayer supposed to affect? Everything. What is it? It aligns you up with God's will in His Word. Yes, it aligns you with God's will. It, it, it makes you walk according to His ways, right? So, it's not a mere speaking to God, right? It's also an alignment of our hearts to God's will and ways. Okay, so if, if you're praying and you're just talking to God, and you're just, because this is your, your struggle session, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, there's more to that. It, it's, it doesn't stop there. There's more to it. Yes, you need to pray. So pour out your, your heart to God. What does is, what is, uh, the psalmist say in Psalm 40 that I just read? He says, I waited patiently for the word. 
For the Lord, he inclined to me and heard my cry. He was crying out for salvation from the Lord, right? He, he was crying out to God to, about his circumstance. And yeah, he was not, it didn't end there, right? It didn't end there. Um, prayer is a tactical radio for spiritual warfare, not an intercom system to order room service. Okay, it's a tactical radio for spiritual warfare, not an intercom to order room service. Do you understand the difference? One is, um, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to go there. Prayer is not only a divine summons, but a royal invitation, a great privilege, an opportunity to stand before the throne of God and commune with him. What is the highest blessing that we can have in our lives? being in the presence of the living God, right? To dwell with him all my days, right? Psalm 27. To dwell in his house forever, Psalm 27. So uh, there's, a, there's a blessing of prayer that prayer has because we can stand before God and he actually talks to us. He hears our cries. He responds, not like the same way that we would respond, but he does. He changes our hearts. He moves our hearts to align with his will through prayer. It is, it is a high privilege to be able to talk to God. Imagine if Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, neither of these guys would go one at my house, offered to fix your computer every time it crashed. That's, that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about standing before the guy, the being, the creator of all things. And you have the opportunity to do that in prayer. What a privilege. And we would be not just foolish, but in a lot of ways, sinfully relying on ourselves to not go to him in prayer. So to not pray, it shows a sinful inclination within our own hearts to say, I have got this. Okay? And what God is saying is, no, you don't. He's saying, you need me. You need me for everything. And you definitely need me to grow in godliness. You need to be praying. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 3.12 and through verse 14, he says this, in whom Jesus we have boldness and access through, with confidence through him, our faith in him. Um, and goes on to say that he bows the knee in prayer because of what Christ has done. Right? Not what Christ will do for him. Notice, what Christ has done, not what Christ will do for him. So are we making use of that privilege to go before the throne of God? Prayer is expected. Prayer is also number three, or point number two, whatever you want to call it. Um, prayer is learned. Prayer is learned. Does anybody grow up just knowing how to pray? What kind of prayers did you hear when you were growing up? Thank you for this food, right? God, our Father, we sing, we sing at our, our dinner table all the time. Um, but we, we, we learn about prayers of thanksgiving, right? More than we learn about prayers of petition or confession or any of those other things. See, we have to learn prayer. You have to learn how to, be a, how to pray. It's not something that comes naturally. Can I ask you, where is the largest collection of prayers found in your Bible? 
Psalms. Oh, Psalms. Yes, amen. If, if you know the Psalms, if you open to the Psalms, you're more likely opening to a prayer of petition, thanksgiving, praise, adoration, confession, some sort of prayer that has been written for you to pray also. You may not have the exact same circumstance, but you struggle with the exact kind of thing. Okay? With lack of dependence, a need for salvation, and a, a, a knowledge of the way to go. Right? Prayer is learned. So why did, why did Jesus tell them? Why did Jesus tell his disciples how to pray? Why did he give them the Lord's Prayer? They didn't know, and they asked, right? Lord, teach us how to pray. Wow, I just spit everywhere. Watch out. Um, Yeah. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what does he do? He's gracious to give them the words. Um, And he teaches them how to pray. Prayer is learned in a whole bunch of ways, but we're going to talk about a couple of them. Number one, prayer is learned by praying. Right, praying over and over and over. Like any discipline, whether it's learning a foreign language or a musical instrument, you can take any course or learning a text. You cannot truly learn it, learn anything, until you actually go and do. Um, anybody who's built anything in their life will tell you that it's all theory until you put your hammer to the piece, the nail, to hit it into the wood, and you split it. Right? Uh, if, if they, everybody who's ever um, gone and thought about teaching or done and stood up here and said, it's all theory until I get up there and go, people are looking at me. What do I do now? Prayer is learned by praying. We should pray until we learn to pray. And this is the advice that the Puritans would give. Um, and what, so what did they mean? They, they said that we ought to pray long enough and honestly enough in a single session to get past the feeling of formal, uh, formalism and like this built-up reality in our, our hearts about like what prayer is to actually communing with God. Often our prayers begin very coldly. Like how, does, how do you guys all start prayer? Dear Lord. Dear Lord. It's like you're writing a letter, right? Um, what, what were you saying here? Our God, our Father. Our Father, which is a good way of doing it, right? Our Father, Jesus said it. But that's even more, that, that's better than the yeah. dear Lord, because dear Lord sounds like I'm writing a letter and not expecting anything in return, right? Or I'm writing a letter and what happens, happens. But our Father become, is a more intimate reality. Often our prayers begin coldly, but as we pray, our hearts are warm and our minds become more active. Our praise and our thanksgiving become more heartfelt and our requests become more urgent. Um, D.A. Carson counsels, to enter the spirit of prayer, we must stick to it for a while. And you might be thinking, I don't have that kind of time. What is the best thing to give yourself to? A life of godliness? that has everything to do with the word of God, God himself in prayer, or to those things that are busy. Yeah, I realize we have tasks. I realize we have things that we have to do. Right, but those things are met so much with, with so much grace and so much more ease if our hearts are turned to the one who gave us the task to do. Right, and that's what prayer 
that is designed to do. If we pray until we pray, eventually we will come to delight in God's presence, to rest in his love, and to cherish his will. So prayer is learned by praying. Uh, Prayer is also learned by praying with other people. Um, I don't know about you, but I learned how to pray because my dad prayed. I learned to pray because of how my pastors pray. I learned to pray because how my mom, I could hear her through the the dope, like the the very small wall that divided our bedrooms. Um, Pray. But prayer is learned by praying with others and hearing other people pray. We can learn to pray from a God, from godly examples of, of the godly examples of others. Where do we see these godly examples? Is the question. I think we've already mentioned a couple, right? Uh, the public gathering, our families, parents, friends. What about other places? Where are other places you can learn to pray from? Books. Books. What kind of books? Oh, there's a Puritan book or a book full of Puritan prayers. It's pretty wonderful. Yeah, it's called Valley of Vision. There's also a couple other books that are that seek to do that with more updated language. So if you the scriptures themselves, yes, if you if you don't use people, they are people praying to God and giving words to pray back to God. Like yes, scriptures, songs, songs, songs sometimes give us great. Have you ever thought of a mighty fortress? Think about a mighty fortress. Can you give me verse two? Off the top of your head. Yeah. Our striving would be losing. There it is. Not the right man on our side. Uh, Oh, good grief. The man man of God God is choosing. Yes. Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus. Yeah, but see, the whole point is that actually is a great prayer, right? It's a prayer of dependence. Who is the one who's going to save me from my ills, my sins, my everything? Jesus. He has a name, right? Um, it, they give a great model of prayer. The good, good songs. So, prayer is learned by praying with others. Also, and finally, I'd say the, the best way, prayer is learned by meditating on Scripture. So, there's a book out there called Praying the Bible by Don Whitney. I recommend it so highly um, that if you don't have any other books on prayer or have a book on prayer, that one's probably the one you need. Um, like on prayer, like praying, praying the scriptures out loud. How do you turn a prayer or the scriptures into a prayer? I think it's very easy with the Psalms. Right, let me, I'm going to demonstrate just slightly with Psalm 40. Right, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. That's verse 1. So, O oh Lord, give me patience to wait for you. I know you're going to hear me. He inclined to me. And I know you are going to respond. Hear my cry, O Lord. All I did was take all those words and appropriate them right, for my situation. Um, and that book, Praying the Bible by Don Whitten, is one way, a very good way to learn to meditate on Scripture so that you can use it for prayer. Okay? Prayer is learned by meditating on Scripture. This is a practice of praying God's words back to Him. In our Christian life, we obey the word, we sing the word, we hear the word taught, we also pray the word. Notice that's something we do in <coughs> service. If you're being led in prayer, those prayers are coming from the scriptures that are being read around them. And the, 
all the other things that are kind of playing into the service. So when our elders come up here and they pray, they're not praying to you just like willy-nilly. And there's a reason why. Because one, we need to train our hearts to run after God. And the one way, the, the best way that we can do that is by training our hearts to learn to fix our minds and hearts on what God has said. And then pray those words. Okay? So, if he says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry, guess what? You need to be praying. Lord, grant me patience to wait for you. Help me not to overstep my boundaries. Help me to wait on your presence, on your provision, on your power to go through my whatever this is. There's a big difference between praying just to pray and praying the word. And by praying in this way, we are connecting both Bible intake, Bible reading, and prayer. And so this is how we appropriate both of these things at the same time. Prayer is a method of meditation. So we, prayer is learned, and by, particularly by meditating on the scriptures. So prayer is learned by praying, praying with others, and praying the scriptures. Any questions about prayer? So far. Not a question, more of just another maybe good way to learn. I learned how to pray better by writing my prayers. By writing. Journaling, yes. Well, writing my prayer and then praying. Yeah. Because um, sometimes I can formulate my thoughts better that way than sitting in silence. Yeah, and I, I want to be careful. I agree 100%. We should, I think writing prayers out is very helpful to actually aim at something that is godly rather than just a bunch of stuff that is a laundry list of things that I need from the grocery store, right? Um, but I want to be careful to say, uh, you can pray spontaneously. Like, so there's nobody saying you got to write it down every time, and Jared's not saying that either. I just want to make sure that I head that off. You don't have to write down your prayer, nor do you have to actually pray the scriptures themselves right away. You can, you can literally pray at any point in your day. Lord, give me the strength so that I might be able to represent you well in this conversation. Give me the mercy and the grace so that I might be able to look at this person and see them as an image bearer as I go into this conversation. Whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Um, you don't have to say, uh, give, you don't have to be so formal about it. If you, if you hide the word in your heart through reading and you do all those things, it's going to come out. Your natural vocabulary becomes God's word. Yeah, I, I was just noticing, you don't, you don't as I was saying it, yeah, as I was saying, it's like those are those are actually blessings and things that I'm supposed to be appropriating that Paul gave me in multiple places in the Bible, right? So you just uh, you steep yourself in the Word; it comes out in prayer. What were you saying? I, I think uh, some of my sweetest days involving prayer are the days when the answer to my question, how to the question, how often do you pray, is once, but it lasts all day. Best days are like that. It's it's an attitude that I am constantly in the throne room of Almighty God, and as I am going through my day, we are communicating with each other about the things that have happened, about the things that are happening. I'm focusing my mind on on Him and how His character affects my view of those events, yeah. and it just turns into a fellowship. Yeah, it should be. Prayer is fellowship with God, it's, right? It's communing with Him, and that's the, that's the goal, right? 
Uh, yes, let's move on. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is the content of prayer. So what are our prayers? What's inside of them? What is the substance of our prayers? And the best place to go, is anyone to guess? Scripture. Scripture, but wait. No. The Psalms are great, but the Lord himself gave us something. The Lord's Prayer, right? Can someone open to Matthew 6, 9 to 13? Matthew 6, 9 to 13, and read it for us. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yes. Some of your Bibles will add, for thine is the kingdom, the power, glory forever and ever. Um, that's in like... It's in some of the manuscripts, but it's actually more of a formal uh, declaration that comes later on in Scripture. So, uh, if you're wondering why that's not in your Lord's Prayer, there you go. Um, before we go on and we address each one of these line by line, I do want to just recommend a resource, and I didn't have time to go and grab all of my prayer books off my, uh, my um, shelves. That might be a good thing. I'm not distracted by them. Uh, but one of them is just called Prayer by Timothy Keller. And he walks through the entire book. It's a small book. The entire book's the Lord's Prayer. And he talks about each line of the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to do something similar, but in much less words. So uh, the first part is our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. We address our prayers to God as our heavenly Father, does anybody know why? Does anybody have a guess as to why? Our Heavenly Father. Yeah, that's who he is. Yes, Yes, we are sons and daughters, and so therefore he is our Heavenly Father, right? He is the one who has called us by his son's name, right? Um, and all these things, are, you've all been right. It's just that particular one right there. We are adopted sons and daughters. Praise God. If we did not have this adoption, we would not have this privileged position to go before the, the throne of God and the throne of grace. This reminds us of our privileged position because of what Christ has done on our behalf. In Christ, we are adopted as God's child. And his spirit then dwells in us. Because of this, we can go to him in boldness and confidence in our prayers because of our adoption in Christ. So our prayers are addressed to God the Father, particularly through the Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's our prayers are triune in nature, right? They're shaped by the Trinity, by our God himself. He is also our Father in heaven, right? Um, in heaven. Does anybody have know why? Is he our... Well, that's where he is, right? That's where he sits. You're not asking typical Corey questions, so I'm having to like. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. That's okay. I have I have a script, and I am <laughs> I am formulating questions on the fly. He is our Father in heaven because He is in heaven, and our access has been granted to us by Christ's work 
as, as our high priest, right? Going to the heavens, offering his sacrifice himself as the propitiation for our sins, right? We talked about this in Hebrews um, for like three weeks in a row. And uh, personally, I, I miss Hebrews already. Anybody up for Hebrews 1 1 again? <laughs> uh, so uh, we have open access to God because of our adoption and because of Christ's work, particular, particularly. So he is transcendent, high, lifted up. He's our sovereign creator, the entire units, but he's also very near to us. He is our Father in heaven. He is both high and lifted up, and our Father. It's kind of a, a that the two things, heavenly and Father, is a comparison and contrast. There are ways in which he is like our earthly fathers. Of, but there's also a way in which he is so distinct that all of the mistakes of our earthly father, all of the sins of our earthly father yeah. that mar our view of fatherhood should be judged by him, yes. not the other way around. <laughs> oh, that he's, he wants to be my father like that. You know, that it, that it, the contract sets him apart and says, this is an, a relationship unlike the relationship with your father. This is a perfect relationship, one that he has perfected, not like our earthly fathers. If you think about your father, I'm sure you know that he is not perfect. You're, you're like biological father. If, if you've ever spent, spent like five minutes with your biological father, you know he's not perfect. You may have seen him as like the greatest man that lives, um, maybe even like as somebody you want to, you admire, and you're looking up to and you're running after. But he is nothing compared to our Heavenly Father. And so you need your Heavenly Father almost more than you need your earthly Father. Well, I'll say what much more um, in, in comparison. So he is our Father who is in Heaven. Second line, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? Held is holy, what did you say? To make holy. Make holy. Hallowed. Um, I, I can't help but for, to think about, forgive me, for the, uh, the deathly hallows. Uh, <laughs> just can't, I can't help but think about it when, it when this comes up. But hallowed be your name. Um, God's name is a reflection of who he is. Are we saying, make your name holy? Right, we're saying, help us recognize that it is already holy, that you are already holy. His character and perfections are holy. And when we pray to that God, that we pray that God's name would be hallowed in our lives, and that he, that means that he might be glorified and exalted in our lives and around us. We should, as that, we should ask that he causes, I did not put a K there, should ask that he causes ourselves and others to honor him and revere him. So it's not just a, hallowed be your name to me, it's hallowed be your name to everyone, right? Make your name holy um, in everyone's sight. This position should set our tone for our prayers. So um, it is highly irreverent. Um, this, is a, this is a very reverent statement, hallowed be your name, right? It's very, therefore, irreverent to address God in any flippant way. Then, Does that make sense? Yep. Because we're saying, make yourself holy, which is his very character. Me, me, like, very character, who he is, right? 
We can't make him holy if we say, um, hey God. If you address that, if you address God that way, that's kind of like you talking to me. Hey, Corey. And I don't mind you say that. Whatever. I don't need a title in front of my name. In fact, it feels weird every time. I don't need Mr. in front of my name. I don't need Pastor. Hey, Corey. That, that's quite normal. But it's not quite normal to address God that way because his name is holy. It's high and lifted up, exalted. And so we start with who he is. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He should be the center of our prayers, not us. So, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First petition, or second petition technically. Uh, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom refers to a saving rule under which there is life and blessedness. The kingdom has come in Jesus Christ through his death, life, his life death, and resurrection. Your kingdom come, then, is therefore a gospel-centered petition. What do I mean by that? It means that it asks God to extend his kingdom through the advance of his gospel in our lives and through us. Okay? It says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. His kingdom through the advance of his gospel. It is also to pray that God will usher in, usher in the consummated kingdom when Christ returns. Okay, so it's not just make your kingdom known in my heart right now. It is also make your kingdom come eventually, like in the Perusia, the second coming. Sorry, I've uh, been reading too many books. I literally read two on yesterday. So the, the, the second coming, it's, it's actually focusing our hearts on that, right? On that day. More than it is focusing our hearts on this day, right? Because of that day when Christ comes, I want to live this way. As your name is holy and your kingdom is come. Oh, yeah. of hallowed be your name. 100%. You're talking about make your name holy, be seen as holy throughout the world. Yes. It expresses our longing and our dependence on the Lord and our Savior forever. forever. Then he comes to this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. On earth as it is in heaven. We're going to take the first part last. First. Last part first, and then we'll talk about your will be done. Okay, is God's will being done right now in earth and in heaven? Yes. By what means? Okay. Yes, is there a technical reason? There's a technical reason. His divine decree, right, has set forth everything in motion in this world, right? So nothing is happening that is not a part of his will in some way or another. Now, that is hard to wrap your mind around because if you look at what Paris is going through right now, it's very weird, right? There are churches being burnt all over France. Um, and, and I don't know what even the number was. It was 15 by yesterday. Uh, and they're, they've been burning one a day for two weeks. They, as in, I don't know who it is, but it continues to happen all across the nation of France. So... Um, is that part of God's will? In what way can it glorify his name? To show his mercy on sinners and his justice on sinners. Okay, his justice and his mercy. But to show how he can carry his own through difficulties like 
Yeah. Yeah. Does it matter if your church building is beautiful? No. You have. You have a great, a great high priest whose name is Love, who has your name written on his hands. You don't need a church building to have a beautiful church. Christ has made his church beautiful. Because every one of his believers, every one of who believe, everyone who believes in him is part of his body. And golden chain, chain of redemption, been justified, glorified, and there's one in the middle there. Sanctified, sanctified and glorified. So, on earth as it is in heaven. So, is, does this mean that every, because everything is perfect in heaven, everything is going to be perfect on earth? Right, especially right right now. That's not true, right? Uh, one day that will be true when everybody sees Christ, but it's not true now. And so anybody, I'm just going to put it out there, anybody who says that on earth as it is in heaven means that you don't have to be sick any longer. You can't, don't, you actually can stop sinning right now. Like in a, in a, like a, a final sense. Never have a simple thought. Never have a simple deed. Never get a runny nose. Never see or hit your hand with a hammer. Never bump your bump your elbow. That person is a liar. Not three jets will ever break down. <laughs> and, and the reason why is because on earth as it is in heaven is not talking about your physical well-being. It is not talking about our physical well-being. It is talking about God's will being done in both places and your recognition of that will. Yeah. It is not about you being full, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right? It has nothing to do with that. It is a petition that helps us realign our will, our desires, our wants with God's will, God's desires. And implicitly, when we ask this, we are committing ourselves to learning all that we can about his will and his ways so that we can submit to it. Um, this is, notice, these opening petitions are all about the Lord. Right? Our Father who is in heaven. We're declaring who he is. Hallowed be your name. He is holy, set apart, high, and lifted up. Right? Your kingdom come. We're worried about his kingdom, not ours. Your will be done. His will, not ours. Right? We're all talking about aligning our hearts, aligning ourselves with God's will and ways. On earth as it is in heaven. We're going to stop right there for today. And we will pick up with prayer next week. We got further than I expected, so um, that's always a win. But I, I hope what you've heard is prayer is not just commanded, like you must pray, but it's something that will enrich not just your life to be, you know, enriched for, for the sake of enriching your life, but actually help you commune with the Lord. And that you are being called by his name to do those things, to commune with him. He is your creator, your sustainer, he has been crucified on your behalf. Pray that his will be done in your life. Let's pray now. Well, Father, grant us mercy and grace as we attend to your word, or as we look to your face and we see how the world doesn't line up with your, what we think your will is. Lord, but help us to see that your will is perfect, that your ways are glorious, and help us to come to an understanding 
of how holy your name is. We love you and we thank you. Be with us now. Open our hearts that we might sing your praises. Satisfy us with your word in the midst of your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.